Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 171 of Slamfire Radio. This is September 9th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shop McClatchy. And I'm Adriel the Hunting Gear Guy Show. And that's it. It is the two of us. Just the two of us. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Too late. I'm not going to complete it, so I'm just going to leave you sit. You just let me. You just gonna let me hang, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Whatever. I now know who. Might, see, if Trevor was on, he would have finished the song, and you know he would have. Well, he wouldn't. Maybe maybe not the song, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't have left me hanging like that because he's got my back. He's probably actually singing it right now. Mm, wherever well, he I, is. I, it amuses me to uh, to leave you hang, so I'm gonna do that. So. <laughs> well, and, and in all honesty, I'd probably do the exact same thing to you because you know that's what friends do, right? You just you let them sit there and go, Haha, "You learn, you're an idiot." <laughs> uh, so yeah, Trevor's not on. He's uh, he's off shooting the New Brunswick Ipsic Provincials, and Kelly's not on because she's gone to Ontario. Wait, she lives in Ontario. She's gone to Ohio. To help put on an yeah. apple seed, so um, we'll. Uh, Trevor wrote. No, no, that's last week's stuff. Never mind. Kelly wrote down what she didn't gun, so I'll read that a little later on. But Adriel, why don't you start us off with what you didn't guns this week? I shot some ducks. Yeah, oh, well, ducks are and, awesome. Uh, yeah, shot some of them. Uh, let's see. So I was out at uh, actually Will's place. You guys were there. Oh yes. Um, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, we were, we're actually just getting some stuff at his house. He's like, I've got this little dugout in the back. I wonder if there's any ducks on that. And uh, we never left. <laughs> so just like spur of the moment, kind of, hey, let's go check out and see. Oh, look, there's ducks. And you just shot them. Literally, like it was going to be me and my other buddy just going down just to take a look while he was like getting some stuff ready. And yeah. uh, instead, we all went out and we didn't leave. We just kept shooting ducks there. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I so, thought duck so hunting would be like really hard. So this was like mm. your first time duck hunting. This was my first. Well, I I vaguely remember duck hunting with my dad when I was like really little. Uh, but yeah, I mean the first time I've like actually shot a duck and uh, and and went duck hunting. I, I can't believe it's been this long and I haven't done it. So so you don't need then special gear to go duck hunting. You can just grab a shotgun, non toxic ammo, and your license and and go and be successful. Well, there's there's uh, resident ducks. There's ducks that like live at my bu- at my buddy's place. Uh, year oh, you round. mean pet ducks? Pet ducks, yeah. We 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 started like flipping out the bread. They got close, and we blam blam blam. Just wasted them. <laughs> Tears were rolling down their eyes. I thought I could trust you. Yeah, no. I just came for the bread. I stayed for the lead. That, that'd be awesome if we were allowed to shoot with lead, but steel. I couldn't make anything wrong with steel, but yeah. 
I can't, I can't believe how not deadly steel is at range. Oh, the yeah? difference between like a 40-yard shot where it's like you put your barrel on the duck and it's dead and a 60-yard shot where the duck can like fly there, sit there and it will like doesn't even look like you're shooting at it. It's just flying around and yeah, it makes a, a just a huge difference. They lose so much energy. Yeah, well, they're not near. The steel isn't nearly as dense, right? So it just doesn't hold on to that inertia as it leaves your barrel. It just slows down way too quickly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just bounces off their little bulletproof vests. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. sure they wear those too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if my testing is, is any indication, yes, at range they they've got a magical bulletproof vest. Anyways, yeah, so I went and shot some ducks. Well, that's um, cool. I was using my uh, my Stoger 3500 for that. Worked great. That's like that's really what that shotgun was made for, not three gun. But I, I use it for three gun too. It's just all I have to do is pull the uh, extension off and put a plug in there, and I'm off to the races. Or just um, put in a really really long plug. Yeah, I guess I could do that too. <laughs> <laughs> like my I, my dad's old hunting shotgun had a like this old old uh, number two B pencil in there as a plug, and that worked too. But <laughs> hey, whatever yeah. works, right? If as long as you can't fit in more than three, you're good to go. Or well, more than yeah, two, I guess, two. in the tube. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two in the tube. What what about ghost loading? Yeah, I didn't want to answer, ask that question. I don't want to ask that question. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, let's not ask that. Let's just assume that it's legal and carry on. <laughs> uh what else oh yeah so uh, that was with my stoger and i was I, I was hunting with it and i'm like man this is perfect for duck hunting but boy is it trash for three gun uh why don't i chop the barrel so i have i've got i'd, I'd emailed around it's a it's a bit of a trickier thing to cut because i want to get it retapped for um uh, the chokes that it's already tapped for, it's it's choked for Beretta Mobile Chokes. Right. And that's normally like a little bit of an oddball choke, but that just so happens to be what the Stoger uses and what the Partis shotguns use. And I've got like a mitt full of Partis shotguns, yeah, so I want to keep you don't using those buy, chokes. Yeah, you don't want to buy all new chokes just because you get your barrel cut down. You want to use the same ones. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I emailed around and like no one's got these taps, but uh, Calgary Shooting Center said they should be able to do it. So I've mailed it off to them, and hopefully, what I'd like them to do is chop that Stoger barrel right down to like 24, somewhere around there, depending on where the ribs go, kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and uh, retap it for uh, uh, for those chokes, and that should make it better for three gun and pretty good for you know duck hunting. And that oh kind yeah, of it'll also be good for duck hunting. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a little on the short side, but it'll still work. I mean, the, the the length of the barrel has nothing to do with how far you shoot. It's just easier to swing the gun. So I, I'm yeah, sure. Well, I mean. Yeah, the other thing to take into consideration here is that I've got, again, I've got a mitt full of partises here. They're all 28-inch barrels, and they're all 3-inch, so uh, they're all fine as well for duck hunting. That's so true, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't even need to use the, like, the, the Stoger's 3.5-inch, which is kind of nice, but, ah, 3-inch is fine. I'll Probably. Just... Well, you can, what's well, an extra half-inch, right? Just toss it in there. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I sent away the uh, Stoger barrel. Um, I got an uh, a scentless mask sent to me that just cu- this came into the mail today. Uh, a so it's like a mask. Okay, so here's the here's the deal. It's like a dust mask, right? But it's like camo. It's uh, it's got a bunch of uh, mossy oak on it. It's got a carbon filter in it, so when you breathe through it. Your I don't know beer breath or garlic or produce <laughs> or whatever you ate that day doesn't go out on the air, right? Now that you think about going bow hunting or something like that. You're hunting twenty meters, kind of thing. The deer's That's pretty close. True. 
most people spray their stuff down. They get the uh, scent block or whatever. They spray their boots. They spray their clothes. They or they wash their clothes and the stuff. And then when they have a shower in the morning, they use that scentless soap. And then you know, but then, then they, they have, have like burps and whatever else that's uh, that stinks. Bacon right? burps. Yeah, bacon <laughs> burps or like morning after drinking a bunch of beer burps. And uh, so, anyways, the idea with this thing is that it, it'll filter that on the way out. Uh, and, and it's a mask, so it, it you know it, it kind of camouflages you. And I'm I'm pretty pasty white, so if I I'm out hunting, I need to <laughs> I need to wear a mask if I, if I expect to get within 20 meters of a deer. Uh, What's that so, ghost yeah. doing over there? Oh, it's just Adriel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, I got one of those, and I'm going to be testing that. I, I guess this weekend because I'm going to go duck hunting again this weekend, and I guess I'm going to have to use one of the partises. So, I guess so, if your other one's off to the shop. Yeah, yeah, it's got no barrel, so it's kind of hard to shoot ducks with right now. So mm. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll have to use one of the uh, partisans. Um, what else? I, uh, a listener of, uh, I'm on this uh, other show called Canada Guns Talk. That's like, it's it's a bunch of guys from Reddit, and, and we just kind of BS and, and talk on a live stream on YouTube. And one of those guys sent me a G-Code FNS holster. Uh, and now I'm thinking I need something the that hooks in. What's the thing I need to hook in, Matthew? Uh, an attachment. <laughs> yeah, I need the. Well, attachment. Well, you you have the RTI <laughs> attachment on it, so you can get any of the uh, the. I, I don't know what the other end is called, but it's the it's the part that you clip onto your belt or your vest or whatever, and then you your RTI attachment clips onto that, and then your holster is. Uh, it, it's really neat because. If you have a vest and you have the attachment, the RTI attachment on your vest, then you have one on your belt, then you have like a thigh rig. You can just use the same holster and switch it between those three attachment points like in seconds. So it is really neat that way. But if you've only got one, it it, it does kind of defeat the purpose of <laughs> of having that quick attach unit. Because, well, no, it, uh, like you can you can pull it off your belt really easily if you want to like I don't know sit in a chair or something like that. That's because true. Really- that's true. Yeah, yeah if, if you're at a match and you're running around with your your gun on your holster all the time, uh, if you try to sit in like a lawn chair or something like that, yep. you 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 run out of space. <laughs> That's right. You can just you know to go to the safety table, take off your gun in its holster, and just set it down and, and go sit down, and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about catching it on things. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, well, and it, it it's kind of like a a key mod almost, like the the yep. the piece that stays in your belt is like key mod and then the holster has like these little pegs that yep. kind of like fit onto that key mod part so it's kind of neat so i need to find the uh, the bit that goes on the belt so i'm going to look at uh, I'll, I'll check press check ventures and see if they've got that kind of thing and yep we carry those so find out it's actually hilarious it's not hilarious at all actually but it is kind of coincidental i'm actually wearing my g-code t-shirt right now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't even in- I didn't in- uh, intend to do that a bit, but as I look down, I'm petting the cat, and I look down, and hey, look at that G code across my chest. Huh. Cool. Yeah, that's a really good quality holster. Like the uh, the it's a dual wrap uh, Kydex on it. Yep. It's got a it's got a second level retention, like that strap that goes over top. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. I'm probably gonna take it off because I I I don't need it and I don't want it. I'm not a cop. I'm 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 a guy that runs around <laughs> doing competitions and. I think like maybe if I had it on my holster, would I be forced to use it? Maybe I don't it know. Depends anyways, on what, it's okay. Yeah, it depends on what discipline you're shooting. Some some make you and some don't. So yeah, I know yeah. in Ipsic, if you have a flap or any sort of retention device in your holster, it has to be utilized. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I'm, I'm gonna probably take that off. Yeah. Um. And uh, oh yeah, and it was on the Armed Squirrels podcast with uh, Jason Philp and Sticks as well. well. That's cool. What did you guys talk about over there? 
were talking about like what what are your dream guns in terms of like rifle, shotgun, pistol, that kind of thing. So, cool. what are you what are you looking forward to getting, and what would you get if you had if, if money was no object and that kind of thing? So right. it's fun. That's neat. Yeah. So, so, so back up here a little bit. You said you do you do something on Reddit or with some guys on Reddit. Have you mentioned this on the show before? Oh, I don't know. Because um, this is the so, first I've heard of it. But then again, whenever I miss a show, I don't go and listen to what you guys talk about. So I could have just you could have said it before, and I just didn't hear. But I'm I'm in, what, what is this? Tell tell me about it. Okay, so it's it's like a YouTube live stream. Um, yeah. But mostly it's just a bunch of guys just sitting around talking about guns. Uh, we record pretty late. That's the only reason why I didn't think that you guys might be interested. In it. We no, yeah, late, like, for, uh, late for you is early for us, as in early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we record at like like in, in two hours, basically, is when we'd record. And that's oh, wow, on yeah. uh, Tuesday nights. But if you want to, I could send you a, a join link, and you could join in uh, next week if you want to. Yeah, that'd be cool. Send that just, just in, you know, if I'm still awake, then maybe I'll... I'll, uh, I'll yeah. listen in, and that'd be kind of neat. I, I mean, anything where you're talking about guns, that's cool, especially Canadians. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's we're all Canadians, a bunch of uh, wild and crazy guys. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one website I've never really gotten into is Reddit. So I'm, I bet you there's a whole world on there of of guns and, and other things that would be interesting to. I just I've just never, I don't know, <laughs> too much time well, on Facebook it's... maybe. <laughs> Imagine Facebook, but imagine everyone got to vote on the articles that were in there, so that the best stuff always was, was always at the top. Yeah, that's how that's how Reddit is run, and that's one of the reasons why it's so good. They people vote on the articles uh, to get to, to hire to the top, and they vote on the comments that get hired to the top. This is the way I wish CGN was run. Right, because that CGN way you you get the cream of the crop right at the top. You don't have to go hunting for the best stuff. Yeah. You don't have to go looking for these little gems and nuggets of you know. It's just it's all at the top, and if you want to see the crap, then scroll down. You got it, and that's that's one of the reasons why Reddit's amazing, and and it's it's a really good form replacement. Anyways, we don't have to talk about Reddit. There's a gun sure. show. <laughs> what, have you, what have you done in guns this week? <laughs> I, I did nothing, nothing at all. It was our first week back to school, and so I've been sort of inundated with making sure that uh, it's not. Let's not lie here. I've just been lazy. <laughs> <laughs> my job's not hard. I show up, I leave. It's all good. But uh but yeah, no, I I didn't get any any gun related stuff in this week aside from some dry firing. Um I've uh I've been doing a little bit of that just for fun. Uh I was I was going to go sh- well no, that's not true. I wasn't going to go shoot the Ipsic Provincials until Trevor called me and told me he shot the pre-match. That's where he's at. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. He's at the pre-match. And uh he just texted me a little while ago he said he shot the match pretty much clean. He had one mic on a disappearing target which doesn't count. So if you if you discount that which doesn't count, so it does count. I don't know. I've lost track of how many negatives I've got in that sentence now. But uh but yeah, he shot it good. He he shot it really well. He was happy with his performance. And uh, I, I bet you he stands a good chance of, of, you know, top three, if not winning this year. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And he said that uh, um, all of the people who I'm normally competing against who really are in another league, they're, they're way above me because they actually practice and, and put a lot of time and effort into this. They're all in different divisions this year. None of them are in production. So Moe's in Open, Matt Lorette's in Classic. Like other people who who normally I I don't stand a chance of beating, are in different. Div- Trevor's like you should be here because we could both win provincials this year. <laughs> but I, I don't have any ammo lined up, and it's too late to get my registration in now anyway. I'm sure, so I'm not going to go. But that would have been really cool. So I I almost 
shot national or shot shot provincials, but I guess that doesn't you almost really count. won provincials. I almost won, basically. <laughs> I didn't even show up, and I almost won. <laughs> if you were there, you would have won. Maybe, and and I even then that would that's still a maybe because there are still other shooters that you know they have a good day and I have a bad day they're going to beat me every time you know and even if I have a good day and they have a good day they they can still beat me I'm not the best shooter here I'm uh, you know I can hold my own but I I haven't won anything in a while I I like to just get out there and use Ipsic as my practice and I don't really take it all too seriously but it is a lot of fun and I maybe I should have gone but eh, you know busy and other things but. Kelly did a bunch of stuff. So she wrote down what she did. So I'm going to go ahead and read those out. And then uh, we'll carry on with the rest of the show. So like I mentioned earlier, she is off traveling to the great state of Ohio to help put on an apple seed. She'll be hanging out with Red Ranch, Stacy, Mario, Jason, and Brian from Valkyrie Defense. So that's really cool. I'm jealous that she gets to hang out with Red Ranch and Stacy and all them guys. Um, I have never met Red Ranch in person, although I follow him on Facebook, and he seems to be hilarious, so I'd love to meet him sometime. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, someday. Maybe he'll come to the next charity shoot in Ontario. Right, Red Ranch? Is that what you're going to do? Hopefully. Um, he, she says, at the time that we're recording, she will probably be having dinner with Bolivar in Ohio and paying with Bolivar Bucks. <laughs> so I hope that goes well. Uh, Friday is fun day at the range. Range set up, uh, and they're going to be going to an Amish gun store. Uh, Trevor, you'll be receiving all kinds of photos, and I'm going to open carry a Glock 19 uh, with an RMR. What's RMR? Red dot. Oh, oh, right. Oh, that's cool. And um, she says, thanks, Brian. You're the bestest. So I guess that's Brian's uh, Glock 19 that she'll be carrying. Saturday and Sunday are at the range. It's a sold-out shoot. So see you next week, she says. Maybe, unless I decide to stay in America. (laughs) America. America. So, yeah, cool. uh, Kelly, I hope you have a good time there. And actually, by the time you hear this, I hope you had a good time there. Unless you're listening tonight, which... It's completely possible, I guess. Whatever. Use whatever tense is appropriate whenever you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) So, upcoming events. Um, Rick Woods is teaching an urban pistol course in Barrie on uh, September 17th. The Practical Shooters of Canada is putting on the Canadian Precision Rifle Series. That's going to be happening in Meaford. The 2016 Algonquin Cup is taking place at Eagle Lake Gun Club in Sunridge, Ontario, September 18th. Brian S., Valkyrie Defense, has a counter-ambush concepts course in Battle Creek, Michigan on October 9th, 2016. So check that out if you're going to be around. And the he, they're also putting on an apple seed this weekend, and that's where Kelly is. So I'm going to delete that because that is pretty much done. The Ferlachi handgun courses. That's Trevor and Matthew's. Uh, courses coming up July 15th and 16th in 2017. That's next next summer. Um, there, yeah, there are four spots left in basic handgun. Last time I checked, and critical handgun is full. So if you're interested in learning how to shoot your handgun, uh, basically from the ground up, we teach you as if you know nothing and you leave knowing a lot. We hope uh, there's four spots left. So if you'd like to uh, get in on that, let us know. 
caps with Dave Young, the use of force two-day class. It's $400, 70% theory, 30% practical. There's going to be a video simulator with live ammo, so that's going to be super cool. That's next month, October 15th and 16th at the Restigouche Gun Club. You need to register by October 1st. Um, we have half. It's the, the class is half full, so if you want to get in on that, contact us at slamfireradio at gmail.com, and we'll get you in touch with Dave, and you can get signed up for that. And then from Vincent, oh sorry, from Andrew Vincent, the Rag, Ragnarok Tactical will present a carbine operator course at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club in Guelph, uh, October fifteenth. The course is one hundred seventy-six dollars and ninety-nine cents plus tax. Course link will be in the show notes. Trevor, did you get that? I said that correctly. The number one hundred seventy-six and ninety-nine. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself, it's Trevor. Is ninety two. and nine. 90 and 9, yes, 100 and 90, 70 and 6 and, and 90 and 9 cents plus tax. <laughs> that's really not the right way to do it. <laughs> so, the news. That's, that's your, that's you do the news. Dun, 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 like that? Perfect. Nailed it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one you have here. Elgin man charged in, is it Elgin? Elgin? Elgin. Elgin. Elgin, okay. Yeah. That's from your neck of the woods. Charged in shooting in nearby Forest Glen. Uh, no, uh, my 26- ne- I, I live in New Brunswick, not Ontario. Ah, it's all kind of... But it's, it's funny because I used to live very close to Elgin, so... Here we go. Yeah. A uh, 26-year-old man from Elgin is facing charges in connection with a shooting incident on September 2nd in the Forest Glen area south of uh, Petit Kodiak? Petit yep. Kodiak? Petit Kodiak? Pe- I don't know. Yeah, Petit Kodiak. It's, yeah. Petit Kodiak. It's the little Kodiak. That uh, sounds like something in New Brunswick, thing. which is weird. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it is in New a Brunswick. Fifth- what? Oh, I thought yeah. Elgin was in Ontario. I guess there's more than one Elgin. Kind of like Springfield. Apparently, there's more than one. <laughs> There we go. A 53-year-old man was wounded by a gunshot on Route 905 and was sent to the hospital for treatment of injuries that were believed to be non-life-threatening. A 26-year-old man turned himself in to police on Sunday and was subsequently charged with a number of offenses, including aggravated assault and firearms offenses. So somebody shot somebody in New Brunswick, and we don't know anything else besides that, basically. Trevor sent that one in. All right. Interesting. Uh, the next one I have here, Trudeau government rejects e-petition to lift restrictions on AR-15 to the surprise of... No one. No one? No, no one. <laughs> no. No, I don't this think... This is sort uh, of old news, isn't it? it hasn't, wasn't, didn't that happen like a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the CBC just finally noticed it. So this is the oh. CBC article that uh, oh. uh, was actually sent in by James Bork had sent this one in. So. so basically they're all gleeful and, yay, we stopped more guns from going on the streets because it's a CBC angle, right? It's a variant of a military rifle. Of course it is, yes. It's, it's a variant of the M16 and uh, it came from the M16, right? Yep. Nope. Yep. The M16 yep. came from it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But don't tell the writer of this article that because no. Uh, no. No. No, I got something else. And so that's that. Uh, we all pretty much knew about that one. And the last one here is from Jason Philp. Heard of that guy before. Uh, and this one is uh, Kelowna's LaRue uh, wins skeet title. So this was a Canadian that. Uh, uh, 
won this uh, skeet title here. Kelowna's Bob LaRue looks to be in top form heading into the World Skeet uh, Championships next month in San Antonio, Texas. LaRue is coming off a victory in the 2016 National Skeet Shooting Association's Zone 8 Championship. Uh, after finishing off with it in a tie with Ottawa's Brad Ray with a score of 393 out of 400, LaRue captured the title win in a shoot-off. Uh, so that's uh, Canadians uh, kicking some butt, shooting some skeets. Beauty. Well, speaking of Jason Philp, welcome, Jason Philp. How are you? Not bad. How are you this evening? I don't know. It's too early to tell. So not evening then? Uh, it is actually evening. I just It's not early enough into the evening. Wait, late enough. I don't know. Maybe I've had too much Dr. Pepper already. I, I can't say for sure. Should we start that again because people don't always listen in the evening? I, I, I don't mind. They can listen whenever they like. Perfect. <laughs> so, so how are you? you you're, you're good, I guess. I am good. I'm and good. I've got my... Uh, you, you picked a great time to call because today is the day that I actually got my waterfowl license. Oh, wow. Well, look at that. Yeah. How many waterfowls have you gotten so far? And is that the same light. as like a regular foul, like when the ball doesn't quite stay in the infield? Or Your jokes aren't better when Trevor's not here. They really aren't, are they? No, they're not. No, and my baseball jokes are even worse because I don't know hardly anything about baseball. Oh, I thought that was cricket. Was it cricket? I think, I think what you mistake is the sound of crickets after my jokes. <laughs> That's correct. That's probably what it is. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. No problem. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about duck hunting, and I don't know why I'm still talking. It should be Adriel talking because he's the one that went duck hunting earlier this week, and he he's an expert now. Well, he's done more than you or I have both combined this year. He he's done more than I have ever. I've, You've never I've, done it. I've never duck hunted. But you're on the Eastern Flyway. Why have you not duck hunted? Uh, it because you have to get up early in the morning. Unless you go to a pond, like Adriel and I. Oh, so you can so if you go to a pond, you can go like during the day or later in the day. If the ducks are there, if not, you're just. Well, you're in right. The bush. You know, if the ducks aren't there, it'd be like me regular hunting, where I just walk That's, around to the woods. And <laughs> it's exactly right. I don't get can anything I, anyway. It, it's just like real estate sales, location, location, location. I guess. Yeah. No, I've 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 never been into waterfowl hunting. Owen uh, has teased me and tempted me and coerced me many times to try to get me to go uh, goose hunting with him, but uh, the, the stars just have never aligned, and so I, I haven't, uh, haven't been able to do that with him yet, but maybe this year. Well, because he is experienced and has the gear and knows the places to go, absolutely the first time you do it, I totally recommend going with a mentor of some description. I don't know if I'd call Owen a mentor, but uh, a mentor, maybe. If he's supplying the location and the decoys and the call, then, then he's than, definitely a mentor. He, he's the mental. Yeah, he call him a mental mentor if you like. That'd be all right. <laughs> I certainly will. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, why don't I stop talking and, and let Adriel start talking, and you guys talk some ducks, and, and I'll I'll jump in whenever I have a question. Or I don't understand some terminology or something. Perfect. There we go. Yeah, so I mean, my my interest here was, uh, you know, last week we were talking about what topics we should talk about, and one person on Facebook, I think it was Luke, said uh, hunting. Yeah, I got to talk about hunting. Now, at least here in Alberta, the uh, the duck season started last weekend. Uh, that was the first weekend to start. Uh, I went hunting some ducks and I shot a couple, but uh, <laughs> it was really clear from uh, from getting into it that. There's a, there's more for me to learn. Like it's still pretty, it's still very approachable, but I wanted to to know more about uh, more about duck hunting, what you can do, and 
maybe some of the tips and tricks out there. So, I mean, Jason, you've been out a couple more times than I have. So I thought I thought of you. Um, and plus, we were on the uh, uh, Arm Squirrels podcast together the other day too, right? Protecting our nuts. Protecting our nuts. <laughs> so maybe maybe just to jump right into it, in terms of duck hunting, uh, what kind of guns and, and equipment and that kind of stuff do you need? Like, what's what's absolutely must have if you're going to go duck hunting? I think the rules regarding must-haves are pretty much the same anywhere you hunt waterfowl. Um, it's, it's at least in Canada, at least you have to use a shotgun. You can't. You're not meant to shoot with a rifle. A single projectile has to be uh, a shotgun. I prefer a 12 gauge, um, primarily for ducks. Lead in the air is what brings the ducks down, or not lead anymore, but steel shot in the air uh, brings brings the ducks down. So if you're using a sub gauge, a 20 or a 28. With the speed of a duck, sometimes the range of a duck, you just might not always get there uh, with enough pellets to bring them down. Three pellets will break a clay target without hardly any exceptions, but eight or nine pretty well-placed uh, pellets at minimum to bring down a duck uh, and, and more or bigger pellets to bring down a goose for sure. So I think you need a shotgun. You need non-toxic shot in, in Alberta and I think all of Canada. I'm pretty sure it's the same uh, mm-hmm. across the country. Uh, non-toxic shock. And there's lots of choices out there. Steel, obviously, the, the cheapest. Um, bismuth, tungsten. Um, there are some other, you know, exotic alloys available through the, through the various ammunition manufacturers. But primarily, people use steel shot. Um, when you do so, you kind of have to be careful and mindful of what you're shooting for a gun. Uh, steel shot does not deform the way lead shot does in your barrel. So it's pretty crucial to make sure that uh, if you're accustomed to shooting a modified choke, or a full choke to to get the range out of lead shot, you're going to want to open that up a little bit with your steel to prevent doing any damage to your barrel. Other than that, location, location, location. Uh, you've got to be where the ducks either are or are going to be or are going to be going past. There's pond shooting, field shooting, or pass shooting. Uh, pond shooting, setting up usually at the water's edge, as close to the water as you can, in as much of a blind or, or concealment as, as uh, reasonably possible. Some people do it from a canoe. You cannot use a motorized vehicle, so motor boats don't work. Uh, I think it's possible if you take the motor out of the water and the engine's off, but I've never done it. Anybody I know that actually hunts from a from a boat has always done it from a canoe with paddles. So uh, you could use one of those uh, one of those paddle boats with the with the little bicycle thing at the bottom there. Where that's you, a you great idea. Them. Yeah, yeah, I like. You know that. what? That sounds a little bit silly, but if you think about it, the seating position is relatively comfortable. You yeah. have lots of space for gear. Like they, they'll float a ton of those things. And not only and that, you, you you probably won't capsize when you fire off your gun. Well, no, and that's what I was saying about canoes. It's pretty pretty important when you have a canoe. A, if you have a hunting buddy, don't both shoot off the same side of the canoe <laughs> at the same time. That's a good thing. And also, you can get uh, canoes with floats that uh, go along the gunnels on the outside of either one that make it pretty hard to tip. None of them are impossible with a little bit of weight and a little bit of momentum and a little bit of uh, my luck. It's pretty much possible to tip any canoe, but uh, you want to be very mindful of your equipment. Um, if you're going to be on the water, then you need a way to retrieve the ducks from the water because very few of us can walk on water. Uh, so a dog is probably preferable. Remembering if you're going to get a dog in the water, you're going to have a wet, stinky dog for the rest of the day. Um, weather dependent, you might want to have someplace warm for that dog when he comes out of the water. Uh, Adriel mentioned last week that fishing pole works if you can cast far enough and well enough. Uh, 
even if you have both of those hip waders or chest waders and some depending on your water depth it's probably a good idea uh you, you know what cannot. I you know what I saw that uh, Bass Pro actually had was, the, um, you know those ball retrievers you get for golfing that are like they're telescopic. They go like way way out there. There's such yep. a thing that's got like a little hook on there that you can use for ducks. So if you're on a small pond, uh, and you've got waders, you could wade in like a little bit and then use that hook to to kind of pull them out, right? Absolutely. Uh, any reach extender of any description. I mean, you could probably use that ball retriever. Um, it's probably better used for anything shooting related than golf related i would think um but yeah you could certainly use that to to get the duck it's important you don't waste the meat um it's part of our regulations here for sure uh it's part of good ethical hunting that if you're going to shoot it you probably should be eating it and uh yeah it's that's the reason you're out there if you're just out there to to turn money into noise as trevor says you don't need to be out there disturbing the wildlife and and such but if you're going to shoot it and you plan on eating it um, certainly something to retrieve the duck, whether it's, like I said, the, the stick, the hook, the dog, um, make sure you, you get them for a reason. Be mindful of your limits. Um, I can't tell you what the limit is here right now. It's evading me, but I have it written down in my, in my book. Uh, snow geese is huge. Canada geese was seven or eight, depending on, uh, on the year that we did it. I got to look that up again, but when you go, you have to have your gun, non-toxic shot. You have to have your license. You have to have it with you because if you don't, if you aren't able to uh, provide it on demand, uh, you're liable for whatever uh, entertainment the game warden or or fishing we call them fish cops or the, the people in charge of your minister of wildlife uh, resources, any of their enforcement personnel can entertain you for as long as they see fit. The powers well, of and uh, the uh, the migratory permit is very different than the provincial ones, right? Like the the Alberta provincial ones that you get are these little printing printed deals, or the, like the whitetail one is this other piece of garbage that we have nowadays. But uh, the migratory one is totally different, and it uses this system. Like if you try to do it online, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt. There's so, <laughs> there's so many fields, and when you're done, you have to print off this page. That has a stamp on it, and it's like this stamp is I don't know some worth something. It's funding conservation efforts, and then I don't know. It's got like a little like written uh, uh, hunting record kind of a thing on there, and you have to have it signed. And it's got like a QR code on it and a bunch of stuff. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. I wonder what's on that QR code. Well, I've got mine in front of me. Um, so they give you the the hunting regulations that are are Alberta specific as a separate sheet. Uh, and their bag limit for ducks, eight, Canada geese, eight, coots, eight, snipe, eight, and your bag limit for each day on snow geese and Ross geese, 50. I like that. <laughs> That's when you know they have too many. <laughs> we, I actually, through the University of Calgary Firearms Association, which is a fantastic uh, little organization, if you are anywhere uh, within within southern Alberta, I encourage you to join. You don't have to be a, an alumnus or a or a member or a student at the university, but they can always use their support. More numbers means more support, more access at the university level, and and young people at the university are great people to have on our side. Um, They put on a waterfowl clinic, I'm going to say two weeks ago, and uh, it was an introductory primarily for those who either had yet to take their hunter safety course or had taken it a considerable time ago and are now getting interested in in, um, waterfowl hunting. And it was... It was interesting that some of the questions that came up, but um, bag limits and possession limits, uh, you do have to be mindful of them. And 
I this is a new one to me. For 50 geese a day, uh, there's no possession limit. So you can only do catch, catch, shoot 50 in a day, but you can have as many in the freezer as you want. If you want more than 50 snow geese, I recommend uh, medical help. That's a lot of geese. That's a lot of geese. That's yeah. a lot. And they're not they're not huge, but that's a lot of room in your freezer. And that's a lot. You'd have to make sausage or jerky or something out of them. Yup. Something in bulk. You'd you'd have to have like bulk processing and everything set up. When we uh, when I went goose hunting on the fr- the very first time, I actually had a uh, a former coworker had started a guiding business, so I actually got uh, one of them Rudy Tootie guided goose hunts up in northern Alberta, and he actually just dropped them all off at the local Hutterite colony. And they dressed them all for us. So they kept one wing on the bird, which is important for transport. You have to be able to identify sex and species. And then away you go. They did all the the cleaning and plucking and eviscerating. That's a lovely word, isn't it? Um, of, <laughs> of the geese for us. So they did the ducks and the geese. It was it was one of the benefits of, of a guided hunt is having that done for you. But I also missed the, the education so that when I have done it, and since then, I've had to go to my old chicken plucking days as a farm kid. And like, it's not really much fun. So if you can get somebody to do it for you, fantastic. Uh, for ducks, lots of people just breast them, so they just harvest the breasts off them. There is meat on the legs that's worth salvaging, but the legs and the breasts, and there's not much else there worth eating. Yeah, that's that. Uh, I mean, we were shooting. I think they were teal ducks. They're they're pretty small. And and we were just breasting them and, and taking the legs and that and yeah there there wasn't really a lot much uh, else on there unless you're going to do something with the uh, with the giblets but yeah we didn't really didn't really do anything there. If you're using a dog, I wholeheartedly recommending um, anything you can salvage off the carcass, chuck it in a pot, add some water, boil it up for a little bit, and then freeze it in muffin tins. And in the summertime, when you got your dog out playing and or working throw that in their water bowl and it gives them a little something to interest, keeps the water cool for them. My dog loves it. I do that with all the, all the leftovers of the pheasant that I can't quite get into the pot that are, you know, the, in the innards and the, um, the meat off the wings, if there is any, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I wholeheartedly recommend that for the dog. Cheap dog food. Yep. Cheap. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah. So you guess you still gotta you gotta claim your your license cost and your driving, your gas, your gun, your your ammo. It's it's not cheap to go hunting. <laughs> no, no. But but we would but, do it uh, whether we we were successful or not. So I guess it's all a bonus, right? You you got it. Yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, what size of shot would you use or or have you used? Would it would you use like a BB or like number two or? Um, for geese, I think I'd probably be uh, BB um, or triple B. I've used for ducks. Uh, we did. I when I was using an over and under shotgun for ducks, I had a, a number two in one barrel and number four in the other. So the close shot, I would use a smaller shot and get more pellets on the bird. And, and for further range, I would use the larger shot. And uh, hopefully, I was successful with the one because I didn't have a second choice. And uh, geese, pretty much BB. Yeah, you need something a little bit heavier to to get the penetration right. Yeah, cool. Um, what uh, what kind of nice to haves are there? So so far we've been talking about must haves. What other nice to haves are there when you're when you're going duck hunting? Well, certainly waders. Waders are nice to have. Chest or hip um, ones that fit. Ones that come off easily and quickly if perchance you fall in the water. Because if you fall in the water wearing chest waders, you could be in a world of hurt if you can't get out of them. Um, Certainly something to sit on. 
uh, whether it be your your gear bag or box or a chair that can sit in the in marshy land without sinking in like a, a normal lawn chair probably wouldn't work because it doesn't have big enough feet on it. So either a stool of some some description, just make it a little bit easier. Um, patience is awesome to have because you can be there. And as good as you are, there's no sense wasting your breath calling. If you you can't see them, they can't hear you. So you want to make sure you're in a place where, where you have access to do that. And, and it's, I, I like to have a... Um, a strap to carry the geese or the or the ducks with their feet hook on them. Uh, it looks kind of like curtain uh, curtain rod uh, for your shower curtain, something that their feet will hook into, and you can strap them all together, uh, or a bag to put them in. Decoys. There's as many different kinds of decoys as you have days to shop for them, uh, whether they're uh, foam decoys or full body wood decoys. If you're going real old school, um, you can also get. The only brand name I know is a mojo duck, which is a motorized duck that sits on a pole above the water surface, and its wings uh, rotate, and it makes it look like the duck's coming into land. I like to have some place for my dog to get out of the wind if they're wet, um, whether it's either in the blind or or the, the little pop-up dog carriers are good. And depending on where you're hunting, some places only allow foot access, so a sled of some description, a wheeled cart, Sometimes doesn't work so well in marshy ground. So like an old toboggan or what I use personally is a, a sled designed for, for bringing calves in out of a feedlot if they're born in the snow. Uh, they're tough. They don't weigh a whole bunch. They're not that expensive. You can pile all your gear on it, put a tarp over it. Um, important to remember that waterfowl see very well. Um, they don't really care much how much noise you make, especially when it's geese coming in, but ducks... I couldn't tell you if they noticed the noise or not. There was certainly no, no evidence that they could they could hear us. But if you moved or there was light reflecting off stuff, you need something that's camouflaged to be able to hide what you brought with you that you're not currently using. Whether it's your lunch, there's something that's good to bring. It's uh, something to eat, something to drink, because uh, you're going to be there. You know, if you're lucky, an hour. If you're not lucky, all morning. If you're patient, a sucker for punishment all morning, some of the afternoon, uh, you're not likely to be there through the heat of the day because the ducks will come in uh, to their resting area from their feeding area and back and forth. So you're likely to get them in transition. Uh, that's about, I mean, for nice to have, go to Cabela's, tick everything off in the catalog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a bunch of good stuff. I mean, now like I'm, I'm starting to increase the breadth of the, the hunting and shooting that I do. I'm starting to use more of the stuff that they have in their catalog that I would previously just flip right past because <laughs> it, it, it was not interesting to me. Like waders, I mean, you don't need them for anything else. But, uh, you know, I do a little bit of fishing too and uh, and some waders wouldn't be bad. It would give me some more access to uh, some interesting fishing spots because you can step out past the reeds, right? You don't have to uh, send a hook out past the reeds and then get it caught on the on the way in. You can just kind of walk out. So I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that with duck hunting as well. Um, you know, one thing we had mentioned, you mentioned 12 gauge, but you didn't really mention uh, semi-auto, pump, three inch, three and a half inch. Like, what's what do you prefer? Um, this year I'm going to be using a, a Beretta 391. Yeah, it's a shotgun that I bought last year, uh, primarily because it's the shotgun I've shot the most this year. I have used my Beretta 682, which is my competition clay target gun, uh, because I was—I thought it was pretty important to make sure you took a gun that you were comfortable with. 
Um, I did make one mistake of going hunting with a gun that I, I wasn't comfortable with, and I certainly wasn't comfortable or experienced shooting it with my heavy clothes on. I had a three and a half inch Benelli Nova uh, that I won because uh, Trevor didn't buy the right ticket, and I was sitting beside him, and I did right, buy the right ticket. Just want to put that in there that Trevor could have had <laughs> Trevor could have had a shotgun and a raffle in Calgary once. Um, but I took that gun hunting. It's three and a half inch Magnum. I had three and a half inch shell on it. The duck came and I had buck fever like I was shaking like a leaf and uh, wasn't really paying attention, hadn't shot in all my duck hunting gear before, mounted the shotgun on my shoulder where I normally would, but where the buckle of my overalls was, my insulated overalls, mounted the gun right on the buckle and then pulled two shots through a pump gun, three and a half inch magnum. Uh, Yeah. I bet you felt that like right away. Right away for a long while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must be the buckle and, and the fact that it's pumped. Because I was shooting that, uh, I was shooting the semi-auto Stoger 3500, and it's three and a half inch. And I was using ounce and a half loads, and yeah. it it felt fine. Like it didn't didn't beat me up too much. Uh, it, I shot it in the summer it, with a t-shirt on. I could feel that, but with a uh, with a light jacket on and uh, the three and a half in in a, in a semi-auto, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, the the pump. There's no recoil absorption system. Like there's no there's no spring in it. Uh, and like I said, your recoil pad on your shotgun itself, you know, it's three and a half to four inches tall and an inch and a half to two inches wide. On most of them, I would guess. Uh, I put all of that force on a buckle just about the size of a quarter. <laughs> yeah. And and I was sitting on a stool, leaning back. So if you can picture. You're leaning back, the gun's pointed mostly up in the air, and all that force coming right down on that buckle. It was it was memorable. Let's call it that. <laughs> now, um, I, I found that having the the uh, the really quick follow-up shot with the semi was was really nice. And I could see you getting the same thing out of an over-under. Um, I guess it would it would be just a little bit. You're still not running a bolt or anything like that, but it would be a little bit faster running a semi or an over under compared to a, a pump, right? Absolutely would be. Um, I've seen guys who are better with their pump shotguns than I am with a semi. Like they just, it's second nature to them. Uh, the pump, like I said, I I won it in a contest, and I don't shoot it much because it's it's not suitable for for the games I play. It's certainly a good hunting gun, but it also has a long length of pull, which is not really um, isn't helpful when you're wearing extra clothes in the wintertime. So it's not a, a gun that I was real uh, comfortable with or familiar with, and I wouldn't probably wouldn't do it again. I would certainly lend it to anybody with longer arms than me that wanted to come hunting with me. Um, there's nothing wrong with the gun. It functions. It works. And the the benefit of of the pump auction, pump shotgun. If you have a semi-automatic and a little bit of dirt gets in it, it can stop you. It can stop you for the day until you can get a proper clean on it. Most pump guns just pull a little harder on the forend, and you're going to get it cycling through. And and not not that I would ever want to do this, but if you uh, dip to the lake and rinse it off a little bit, you can get most of the mud out that way and probably carry on. Uh, most of the pump shotguns that we have that I'm familiar with pretty robust piece of equipment um the over and under the simplicity like if if you did jam you're not likely to jam both firing pins and one trigger or two makes little difference you're usually going to get one of them working at least when your semi-automatic shotgun stops it's usually stopped until you can get it properly torn down and cleaned and possibly repaired Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's why. Um, that's one of the reasons why I, why I kind of like the inertial action ones because they're a little bit more simple. They don't have a they don't have like a tiny gas port. The gas needs to go down or anything like that. They just have a a sealed spring inside a bolt. I mean, the uh, the receiver needs to be clean on the inside, but they sh- they normally shoot clean. Uh, so yeah. you just need to get all the mud out, and it'll it'll probably run. I think we've seen some pretty significant um, advances in semi-automatic shotguns in the last few years, like the the reintroduction of the Auto Five um, from Browning. You know, I think they had a slogan with you know guaranteed to go off every time you pull the trigger forever and ever, amen, or something to that description. I quite liked it. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't the old um, long action or long recoil action shotgun, but I've shot one of them. They seem to be pretty good. The uh, Versamax. Um, they're a fantastic gun. I would have no hesitation shooting a Versamax in the field. Uh, but there again, it is a semi-automatic. It's, you know, in the old days, they'd call them a jamomatic, basically because <laughs> they do. They A little bit of dirt, and it stops you. A little bit of moisture, it can stop you. The other thing to be mindful, too, is whatever you're using as a lubricant uh, for your firearms, if you're accustomed to shooting them in the summertime, weather's warm, you're in a relatively clean environment, you get away with a pretty wide variety of lubricants. In the field, especially in the wintertime, going after ducks or geese, you know, you get down below zero or around the zero mark, there's a lot of oils that turn into greases, greases turn into pastes, and you may not get enough. Now, hunting loads, you're probably going to get enough oomph out of your shotgun to to cycle it, but what's going to stick to it? What's going to? Are you going to get a little bit of, you know, the fluff from the cattails or, or pieces of grass or reed in there that are going to stick? and stop you for the day. And if you got up at four and you drove till five and you set out decoys till six and you sat there waiting for legal light at eight or close to it, and you go to pull the trigger and you hear that really loud click when you really hoped it would be a really loud bang, that's a lot of time and energy and money invested in a day that just didn't come together. So it's pretty important. I think it's as important to do your homework and your prep work prior to your hunting trip. It's as important as the hunting trip itself. Because without it, you just don't get to you don't get to play to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you have any other uh, uh, tips to the? Or actually, I think we touched on it a little bit there. But uh, three inch versus three and a half inch. So I mean, there's two and three quarter out there. That, but uh, I think three inch gives you gives like a little bit more in terms of uh, pellet load, and three and a half gives even more. Uh, do you shoot three inch? Do you shoot three and a half? And uh, why? <laughs> I I don't think I have good enough eyesight to justify anything that takes a three and a half inch uh, shell to shoot it. Like if it takes three and a half inches of powder and lead to get out there to hit that duck or goose, that's too far for me to see well enough to take that shot. Um, I have some uh, two and a half inch uh, one ounce uh, BBs that I shoot for uh, for ducks, um, or two and three quarter inch, sorry, uh, that are ounce, one ounce or one ounce and an eighth which I use for ducks when I am pretty confident they're going to be close. Um, I do have three and a half inch shells because they were on sale at Walmart. I have three inch shells because they were on sale at Walmart and I have whatever was on sale last time I was in a Canadian tire because it was on sale. As long as the shot, the speed is getting enough energy and enough payload to bring down the, the duck or goose, which is like I said, trying to get nine shots on, on the bird is kind of, is kind of what I was taught whether it's right wrong or indifferent that's what it's like anything else with a shotgun if you think you're going to hit and be successful or you think you're not you're probably right um making the shot on target whether it's three inch or three and a half inch i'm not sure that it matters i don't think there's any disadvantage if you've already if you've already invested your time and effort into getting to the field and you wanted that 
extra good feeling and 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 security and insurance you're going to be successful shoot your three and a half inch i did it because i had a gun that would take a three and a half inch shell but if you're going to do a lot of shooting that's a lot of recoil recoil is cumulative and the longer you do it the more you do it the more it's going to hurt yeah exactly i mean i i i didn't uh i didn't have too bad of it, but i'm a i'm a pretty big guy and i was running a semi-automatic and and with a, a light jacket on top so I ran the three and a halfs, but the, the, the guys shooting the three inches were getting just as many ducks as I was. So it didn't, uh, it didn't amount to too much there. And I mean, I, there, I guess, it, has there ever been a shotgun shot that you've ever taken that you didn't make because of the shell? Has it ever been the shell's fault? I wouldn't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I always blame it on the ammo. I've, uh, yeah. I've, I've hit ducks where, where it was like, oh, there's one pellet in this duck that took it down. And that was that just so happened to be the the pellet. Now is it because there is you know that many more pellets in a three and a half, and that one would have would have hit it, and it wouldn't have in the three inch? I don't know. <laughs> I I like the uh, the the saying in shotgunning is chokes and ammunition will help you by inches, but most people miss by feet, and it's the feet they're standing on. They're they're not set up right to take their shot. They're they're. You know, they didn't start in the right place. They didn't look in the right place. They didn't put the gun in the right place. And lo and behold, the shot didn't go to the right place, and the target just kept on going, whether it be a clay target or a bird. It's all about shot placement, no different than any other hunting. You want to make sure you put pellets on target, and um, if you're past shooting, you know, butt, beak, boom, you want to make sure you're shooting the front end of that duck in the, in the direction that it's going. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Any other uh, any other tips of the trade or any other uh, tips for our listeners? I think you should have somebody on that can talk about good dogs. Um, I have a dog that I like. Uh, I it's the first dog that I've had a, as a pet and a hunting dog. So because I like her doesn't mean she's good. Uh, she's good enough for sure. But you know, people who hunt with dogs, the dog adds adds just adds that extra to the hunt. Um, if it wasn't for hunting with a dog the first time I went with pheasants, I wouldn't have a dog and I probably wouldn't hunt. The dog the, the dog added so much to the experience. Um, watching the dog work, whether they're you know a two-bird retrieve or when you're going after a planned game, them finding the bird for you and taking you to the bird and you you know insist that that bird was over there the last time you saw it, but the dog went the other direction. Trust your dog get a good one, get it properly trained, unless you're, you know, I don't know anybody who out of the box could properly train a hunting dog with no other experience, you know, whether they've seen it, seen somebody else do it or help somebody else do it, that's one thing, but just to get a dog in a book and decide that you can train a hunting dog, I think uh, you'd have to be a whole lot smarter than me to do that and a whole lot smarter than the dog, and one of those things is possible, but not not both likely, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and get somebody who who's done it before to give you experience with the dog and i think it's just a it's it's the best part of it for me like watching the dog find the birds or go get the birds or watching that dog work yeah it's like anything else i like watching other people work too rather than working myself so it's <laughs> work work smart not hard right that's exactly right yeah and they add so much to the experience like if you didn't have to go out to your chest deep in cold brackish water to pick up a duck that was mangled just to make it a you know, to retrieve that duck, you shot it. Sending the dog to go get it makes it a much better day. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've heard a, a couple of other people say that as well, that uh, the dogs make it uh, a much better experience, that now it's more about <laughs> more about hunting with their dog, like hunting with their best friend kind of thing, right? But uh, that's interesting, yeah. 
Cool. Um, well, Matthew, anyway, do you have any questions? No, I was just going to thank Jason for coming on with uh, with us and giving uh, giving us some insight into this waterfowl hunting. So, so thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Like I said, half the stuff I knew before you called, half of it made up on the phone call. So perfect. Take what I mean, you can. Th- that's well. Look, now it's on the for internet, inter- so it's true. It's for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on, and we'll talk to you soon. You betcha. All right, well, we'd like to thank again Jason for joining us on the show this week, talking about them their ducks. That was uh, a fun talk with him, and uh, uh, apologies once again for the terrible jokes at the beginning. My bad. <laughs> well, hey, Jason's you pretty do? much the, uh, the Canadian version of... Uh, the uh, what are the duck hunters in the U.S. that have all the garbage that you can buy at Cabela's? That's all like branded. Oh, uh, Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty. Yeah, he's the Canadian version. He's our Canadian Duck Dynasty in terms of like being able to shoot ducks, not the whole. Oh, I, I uh, thought you were putting him on par with like Uncle Cy there. <laughs> uh, you can tell I don't watch a lot of TV because <laughs> I don't know. Who you don't know who Uncle Cy is. Is he the one with the with the gray beard? Yes. A little bit more of a gray beard? Okay. Yeah, yes. he's the one with the gray beard that, that says crazy things all the time. He's he's really <laughs> the only reason that the show should be watched is for Uncle Cy. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure they're uh, they're excellent duck hunters as well. <laughs> they probably are. I mean, the show is mostly satir- not satirical, but it, it's an entertainment show for sure. But uh, For entertainment purposes only, just like ours. Kind of like us, yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I guess that brings us into some listener feedback. And uh, the first one here is from John. And he writes, Hi, guys. Last week you talked about removal of rust from firearm finishes. Here's one method that is widely used by gunsmiths and I have used in my own gunsmithing shop. It's CLI, right? CLI. Uh, stuff to use. I thought it was like spray paint. Just, just spray re- paint over top. Spray paint it. it, yeah. Just respray yeah. paint over top and, and right over cover top it right rust. up. Yeah. yeah. No, that's basically. Thank you, John, for writing in and letting us know. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. He says, get a steel wool pad number zero 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 zero. That's four zeros. Apply gun oil to a portion of the pad and rub it on the afflicted area. This will remove all light rust on finely blued firearms without leaving any marks. I've used this on polished blued and satin blued finishes without leaving a trace of the repair. Make sure to use only 0000. That's four zeros, so as not to remove any of the bluing. And Trevor, yes, even your prized Model 29 will show no evidence of rust removal. If heavier rusting is apparent, find a US penny or other copper coin and use the edge to scrape off the rusted area. Follow with the 0000 steel wool. If there's some evidence of pitting, then obviously you'll have to be a bit more aggressive and then re-blue. Neither the steel wool and oil nor the copper scraping will leave a mark on blued surfaces. I have restored dozens of customers' guns with quality bluing, including a Colt Python, without damage to the firearm. Thanks for your quality show, and hello, Kelly. Regards, John. Thanks, John. We've got a real gunsmith listening to our show. That is scary. We're gonna have to oh. like ramp up our like credibility here by like mm. actually broadcasting truth. <laughs> 
I bet you there's all sorts of horrific stuff that we're doing <laughs> and talking about on our show that is just like like the, the biggest eye rolls in the universe. <laughs> so, John, what brand Dremel do you use? And what is the <laughs> do you use five minute JB Weld or do you hold out for that long lasting hard set JB Weld? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, These are questions only. Have you used a grinder on your shotgun (laughs) to open up the loading port? Because I have it. It's awesome. (laughs) I I have used pipe cutters. Yeah, you know those ones you put on like a copper pipe and you you tighten it down and spin it around, tighten it down, spin it around. I've used that to cut shotgun barrels before. Well, that seems like positively civilized compared to uh, a hacksaw. Or I've also used hacksaws. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have I have on on rifles that were getting redone by a, a gunsmith pro- uh, properly later on. I have cut down because uh, if I cut the barrel down to close to where I want it, it saves him some trouble. So I, you know, if I wanted a barrel cut down to like 19 inches, I'd cut it to 20. And so I cut that down with a hacksaw, and then I I would recrown it with like a, a, a Dremel stone. And then try shooting it to see how... And, you know, sometimes it actually works out pretty good. You get it right every now and then. But it, nothing compares to what the gunsmith can do on his lathe. Yeah, that doesn't... I, sh- I didn't think of that. I should have done that on this shotgun barrel I was sending to the uh, gunsmith because that would have saved me on packaging. It would have been a lot shorter, right? That's right. saves you some shipping charges because you can send it... So, yeah, yeah you want to cut to 18. You or Well, I guess... Uh, yeah, say you want to cut it to 24, cut it to 25, and then mail it, and then mm-hmm. he'll cut the last, you know, three-quarters of an inch off and then put it on the lathe and clean it up and... Yeah. Anyway. I might have got the I might have got the idiot tax though because if I send him like a mangled shotgun, <laughs> he might just like, say that's an extra idiot. fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta clean up your mess. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're already cutting the barrel down, I don't think it makes any difference. I th- I think it would be cool to cut a shotgun barrel off on like an angle and see how that affects the shot pattern. Oh, it'd look real mean too. Would, if you yeah, like you'd a have slant like a slant break, like, a, like an AK seventy four, exactly. The, the, yes, the crink off or whatever. But <laughs> but do it backwards so the blast goes down, so you get extra <laughs> muzzle rise. <laughs> <laughs> and all the shot just like hits the ground three feet in front of you. <laughs> Uh, and get some, uh, get a vice, and then squeeze it so you get that. Uh, what is it? The duck bill. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the duck bill choke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a great idea. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. I should do that I got sometime. A couple extra barrels just kind of hanging around here. I'm looking yeah, at an 870 barrel. I got an old shotgun barrel that needs to be uh, messed with. Yeah, I, I think I could have some fun with that. Duck bill for <laughs> shooting ducks. I'll, I'll do mine <laughs> sideways though, so it's I don't know what. A sideways like, duck bill, and that way the the shot is like really narrow, but like high and low. Mm. I wonder where that would be useful. Probably never anywhere. Stairs. Stairs. I love it. Yes. Now you can shoot downstairs <laughs> and cover all your bases, top to bottom. <laughs> stairs. <laughs> that is great. Oh, leave it to you to think outside the box. There we go. All right. Well. Uh, can we take re- the next one here? Yeah, I was just going to say, your reward for that is uh, taking this next one here. Oh, it is a reward. Uh, this one's from a listener, uh, unnamed listener. Uh, I only discovered your podcasts on my iPhone a short while ago, about a month or so before I went to the 2016 Ipsic Canadian Nationals. I've been enjoying them, and I want to thank you guys and gal for all your hard work and time developing this show. You guys and gal are funny, informative, and entertainment, uh, ent- ent- entertaining. You guys and gal 
keep people's interest while expanding the knowledge of your listeners. Uh, that's probably by accident. Probably. And are one of the only, uh, and are one of the few, if not only, Canadian firearms podcasts I've found. Keep up the good work. So why is this from listener and not from like a name? Ah, uh, there was no name attached to it. Oh, and the email was just like numbers or something. Yeah, I think it was something like that. I had a reason why. I was oh. when I was grabbing it off there. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you, listener. Well, we're just going to put listeners on the back of that, put an S on there, and we're going to say that's from everybody. <laughs> there we go. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. All right. Thank you, right, whoever you are. And um, this next one is a novel from Spencer in Smyrna. Hey, guys, and Matthew. Hi, Spencer. Thank, thank you for that. Been a while, but I wanted to email you about the 1917 that no one seemed to recognize last week. I'm pretty sure the person was talking about the model 1917 Enfield bolt-action rifle used in World War I. I'm sending along a pic of my vintage .30-06 rifles, well, one of them is a reproduction, and it's the one on the top. These guns were made by Remington, Winchester, and Baldwin Locomotive Works in Eddystone, Pennsylvania for use by the UK and Commonwealth countries during World War I. They were chambered in 3-3 and were standard issues to lots of English forces. When the U.S. entered the war in 1917, a shortage of M1903 Springfield rifles meant that far more M1917 rifles converted to 30-06 saw service with the American Expeditionary Force than the Springfield did. In fact, Sergeant York used an M1917 to win his Medal of Honor, not the M1903 shown in the movies. They are heavy, tough, rugged guns and work flawlessly in Arctic conditions. They are still used by the Danish Home, uh, home Guard Arctic Patrol units today because of that fact. The one showed in the pic was with the AEF in France during the Great War, according to the serial number. No idea where it was used, but it came back with the AEF after the armistice was signed and put back into storage along with its brethren. After that, it went to Canada. The RCOC on the stock is for Royal Canadian Ordnance Corps as part of the Lend-Lease programs prior to World War II. The stock also has RCA TOFP on it, which has to be Royal Canadian something, 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 but no one seems to know what. Any help on that would be appreciated. So Royal Canadian Arms Trade Organization for People. I just made that up on the spot. I'm pretty sure it's right. After World War II and its stay in Canada, it went to Denmark for use by their home guard and then made its way back to the state sometimes in the 90s. This rifle definitely got around, but it still shoots great and functions perfectly. Not too shabby for a 99-year-old rifle. I have to admit, I don't know if Trevor is ready for a Milsert bolt gun yet, but the three guns you see in the picture are all good ways to turn any .30-06 ammo into smoke and noise. All three have bulletproof actions. The 1903 is the reproduction and has the later action used in the Vietnam sniper rifle configuration, and they are all reasonably accurate considering their vintage. If any of you are looking for a great Milserp rifle, I'd actually suggest the M1 carbine as something to look out or something to check out. It's not particularly Canadian like the Garand is, but it's the AR15 of the 1940s. Light, easy to handle and a blast to shoot. Plus, they're actually getting fairly reasonable again now that several companies have started making uh, reproductions. I have a car auto ordnance reproduction and the only difference between that and my GI Underwood is that the car is more finicky about magazines. For about 600 US, these are great little rifles though. 
As always, thanks for the show, Spencer in Smyrna. And before I get to all of his PSs, I should mention that uh, Filthy has an M1 carbine, and he is happy to let us shoot it anytime he has it out, so that's fantastic. All right, uh, his PSs. If you guys have any business with the ATF in the coming year or so, I would be sure to get it in early. They are slammed with all the pre-Rule 41P suppressors and such that got filed back in July. Right now, the estimated wait time is up to 18 months, although no one knows for sure because nothing has traveled through the system end-to-end yet. The silencer shop in Texas had a picture of a truck full of forms they sent the ATF the day before 41P took effect. Needless to say, the poor folks at the ATF will be busy, and it's not like this administration will provide any more staff to help. PPS, answer me this. If Z is supposed to be pronounced Z, why isn't B pronounced bed or L pronounced lead? Shouldn't the Canadian alphabet be A, bed, said, dead, E, fed, jed, etc.? Yes, yes, you are wrong. Um, is, there actual, is there an actual reason for singling out poor Z for this treatment, or is this just something you only understand if you live in a monarchy? Huh, that's a good question. I believe we call it Zed because... I've got the, the description here. He actually included it in, in another email. I'll read it off here. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, why is Z pronounced Z in Canada? Uh, and it, it, this is a quote. Uh, the exception, of course, is in the United States where Z is pronounced Z. Is pronounced Z. The British so hold and on, hold pronounce- on. So most people call it Z, or most people call Zed. it Zed, and the Americans call it Z. So we're not, why yes. do you call it Z there? Huh? huh? Me? So no, not you. Oh, no. no, I'm talking to, to Spencer there. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the British and others pronounce Z Z, oh, owing to the original origin of the letter Z. Here, is this confusing enough yet? <laughs> Very. Carry on. I like it. <laughs> the Greek letter Zeta. Uh, this gave rise to the old French Zede, which resulted in the English Z around the 15th century. So it's Greek. Zed. It's because it's because it's Z. proper. It's because it's supposed to be called Z. That's why we call it Z. And the reason you guys call it Z is because you have a need to rhyme things that don't need to be rhymed. <laughs> I don't know. I made that up. I got no idea. I don't know why Americans <laughs> call it Z. Maybe uh, the song does make more sense if you sing Z at the end instead of Z because it does rhyme better for sure. But uh, yeah. Regardless, you guys still hold on to the imperial system instead of the metric, and you guys hold on to your Z for as long as you want. We here in the 20th century will call them Zs and Tens. Oh, <laughs> I don't mind the ZZ thing, but that metric imperial thing, oh boy. <laughs> I worked as a machinist for a while, and the, like the, the, the changing between uh, metric and imperial and the fact that everything is on imperial, it's all like... Point zero zero six four of an inch for this and that and the fractions. Oh, it's such a mess. I know, I know, it's terrible. Yeah. It makes it tends just make way more sense. Although I've talked to some machinists who do it the old way and they say the old way is better, but I think that's just because that's how they were raised on it. And I think if if we trained the new machinists on the metric system, it would make more sense to run metric. But well, yeah, I mean, if you've got something that's uh, supposed to be oh, I don't know, like one thirty second uh, uh, big. But it's plus minus five percent. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> That's where it gets hard. <laughs> All measurements plus minus five percent. Ah, oh, what is that in fractions? What's five percent of one thirty second? I guess a calculator would be your best friend. 
Uh, you Constantly. Put decimal systems on it instead of using the fractions. Yeah, but, I guess. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. All right. Uh, this next one from Jeff. Yes, I've got it. Uh, hi, everyone. Love the show. It gets better every episode. I have a question That's because about you're listening to them backwards, aren't you, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> no, they've gotten better since, uh, since Kelly's joined on. Oh, I see. <laughs> I've I, got thought a gonna, I thought you were going to say since you joined on. I was going to say, yeah, no, that's probably true, too. I was just seeing how, how cocky you were. That's all. <laughs> uh, I'm a new uh, restricted firearms owner and haven't been to a range yet. A health issue stopped me from joining sooner. When the RCMP sent me a new RPAL, it came with the paper with special conditions. Is that the new ATT attached to the license, or do I still have to call the CFO for one? Thanks from uh, JeffX as well. That's what he signed it for, but it's from Jeff. Okay, um, um, go ahead. Well, I would say just call your CFO, like the Alberta ones. They like even though the paper's being sent out, they say no, it's just attached to your license. You just need the card. That's your ATT now, and they are pretty firm about that. And they don't really want to do more paperwork, so <laughs> so they don't want to they don't want to do anything else that's that's extra on top of that. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say too. Uh, you can call your CFO just to double check, but the way it's supposed to be, if you have a restricted license, you now have an automatic... Well, that's not true because your first ATT, I think you are supposed to apply for, and then after that, it's a, it's attached. So call your CFO and double check before you take your gun anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of easy. Th- th- this next one's also about ATTs from Frank. He says, hey guys, great show. Would like to ask what the law says or the CFO says about taking your restricted firearm to, say, the class it'd be putting on this October. And for me, living in Riverview, New Brunswick, an overnight stay away from my house may be necessary. So I'm going to stop you right there and let you know that in New Brunswick, if you have an ATT already, which you should, um, then you're you're good to all gunsmiths, ranges, border crossings, etc. So you're already good to go. You don't need to worry about um, getting a special ATT to come up to the Rusty Gooch Gun Club to take that class. The fact that you're staying overnight has nothing to do with anything. Um, that's perfectly acceptable and, and it's considered you know reasonable that you would be not traveling that distance and then returning home in one day. So it's perfectly reasonable for you to keep your restricted firearm with you at whichever uh, location you decide to stay at. Um, as well, he continues, if at some point I went to a gun course or range and I was to bring my RV to sleep in, would be would I be allowed to bring my restricted gun with me? Um, not sure. I would double check. Technically, your RV is a vehicle, so it would be stored in your vehicle, but I double check with the CFO on that to make sure. And he says, better yet, my gun range is 45 minutes from my home, just 20 minutes past the range where I keep my RV parked on my land. If I go to my RV on most weekends, would I be allowed to take my restricted gun with me overnight and then go to the range the next day? Thanks for any info on this from Frank. Um, well, again, that might depend on your CFO. I mean, like we were talking with... Uh, uh, that guy who cooked the steaks near Bonneville there. Yeah. Uh, Mark. And, yeah. uh, and he stays in his, uh, camper pretty much all summer, but he isn't allowed to store his guns there. The CFO said, no, you got to keep it at your, uh, at your house. Your residence. So he, yeah. 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 So he was, uh, he was hooped in that regards, but, uh, now you, you know, could he not add a residence because I know people who have multiple residences and they have an ATT, like they have their firearm registered to a residence. It has to be to a residence. That's the only way you can register firearms to a specific spot. But I think you can put a secondary residence on and then you can, 
you can transfer it between the two, but I think you still need to notify the CFO whenever you store it at the mm. secondary location. So I wonder if that's an option for him too. But yeah, you got to call the CFO, Frank, and, and double check. Um, fortunately, here in New Brunswick, they are quite reasonable. So give them a call, ask, you know, just let them know right up front what you want to do, and, and they'll they'll help walk you through that, I'm sure. And, mm. and I, I hope you get to come out to the course this October. That'd be great. Are you signed up yet? If not, you should get signed up. Just saying. It's a long, uh, it's a long trip for you. No, for, uh, he was saying t- he was talking about um, oh the course in October, the cl- uh, class in October. I was yeah, thinking, in October. I thought he was talking about the the one, the one in, in Alberta. Uh, in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, no, the one in October will be here yeah. in New Brunswick. He'll, he'll have no problem getting here. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. All right, well, thank you to everybody for writing in. We do appreciate your listener feedback. We don't have any iTunes reviews, eh? Okay. Um, anybody who'd like to send the show an email, you can send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. And those of you who want to send a five-star rating to iTunes, you can do that on iTunes. That's basically the only way to do that. Um, we have 139 five-star reviews so far, 107 from Canada, 28 from the U.S., one from Australia, one from the United Kingdom, one from Lithuania, and one from Belgium. So we appreciate all of those, and we look forward to more. Shout-outs. Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, one to Joseph. Uh, Joseph sent me the FNS G-Code holster, so thanks very much. I mean, I'd, he just gave it to me for free. I, I paid for shipping, and he sent it to me. So it's a it's a nice, high-quality holster, and I appreciate it very much. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, and another one to uh, Sticks for including me in the uh, Armed Squirrels podcast. That was very nice of him. Cool, and we've got a couple new Patreon supporters this week, I guess. Jonathan S. and Tyler A., so welcome to the Patreon club. We also have, uh, eventually we're going to have to stop reading our Patreon list, our current supporters, because eventually the list is going to get too long. But currently, it's Richard D., Rob B., Thomas S., Chad G., Kevin L., Ryan B., Adrian R., Rob B., and Mike R., along with John S. and Tyler A. And there's got to be a Z in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So we we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters, and soon we are going to have some Patreon supporter-exclusive content, I believe. And so you guys can look forward to to getting some some cool some some cool thank you info and 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 other things just uh, for supporting us. So we we definitely appreciate that. We want to make sure that you guys are well thanked for that for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else, Adriel? No, I gotta uh, I gotta go to Cabela's and get some duck hunting stuff. Well, you should do that. I'll, yeah, uh, I gotta get some ammo and some waiters and uh, is there and else some I'm wait- here? waitresses, right? Waitresses, waiters and yep. waiters and waitresses. Is that how that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get a tip jar and uh, <laughs> yeah. I should get I should get like a little tripod so I can like record this. You should. Some duck hunting. That yeah. would be cool. You should. You got to put a, a gun on your barrel. That way you can you can get the the a barrel camera and, on my barrel. Yeah, yeah. I could that, do that. Yeah, put a gun cam on. That way we can watch. I got shoot duct the, tape. I got a ah, phone. Ah, get it? Because you're going <laughs> duck hunting. <laughs> All That's right. What you use it for right. That's it's, it. You have to. In fact, if you go duck hunting, you have to bring duct tape. That's a rule. That's I'll how you pluck them. I don't know. I, We're out I, of ideas. 
I'm out. Abort. Right. Abort. 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 Eject. Eject. <laughs> Watch the canopy. Oh, we lost Goose. Get it, because you're going waterfowl hunting. Oh, it all works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, please join one of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or the CCSA. It's important to support those who support us. Please check us out on the Gun Owners of Canada forum. we got a little uh, side forum there, so you guys can check us out there and, and leave comments, and we often reply. Please like us on Facebook. We have 1,524 likes so far, 110 thumbs up, 15 gold stars and counting, two flukes, four minity flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space, one HK logo, and apparently two squirrel nuts. So <laughs> that's just fantastic. We are we're bursting to overfilling. I I got nothing, but we we will we'll still take your complimentary whatever it is you'd like to send us because we like collecting them. <laughs> well, I think that's it for this week. What do you say, Adriel? Yep, that's it for this week. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.